society's bollocks. It's fake. And you're living in a fake world. Maybe, maybe we live too long for these emotions. Everyone only ever talks to you about being on TV. So suddenly you're not, you know, I'm not Tim Lovejoy anymore. I'm TV's Tim Lovejoy. Have you heard the Michael Anthony show? Every man lives twice. The second life begins when you realise you've only got one life. You're now meditating, you fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Michael Anthony Show, and today we're with the fifth two-time guest, Tim Lovejoy. Tim, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me back. Soccer AM. I saw them say this wouldn't happen without Tim. Why is it over, do you reckon? What about society's changed that we can't even concentrate for two hours on genuine Saturday morning fun? They're trying to save money everywhere, aren't they? And, and, and everyone is at the moment. So I suppose that might have some um, bearing on it. Uh... I don't know. It's just maybe maybe people think time's moved on and things need to change. I mean, you know, that's... Were you emotional to see it? To see it end? Yeah. I've not been part of the show for such a long time now that it, what it did do is it brought up lots of... Obviously, social media went nuts. And I ended up speaking to Helen Chamberlain a lot because we, we were embedded with it for yeah. 11 years for me. And um, so it, it made me time travel a bit to a distant time where things were very different and just remind reminded me of how wild it was and maybe that's one of the things which has changed you know the, the football from 96 when I started on Soccer M in comparison to what it is now I was actually playing football at that stage you know crap standard but I was mm. playing football when you went on a football pitch I'd never be able to play football at a good level now because it's all about skill and speed when I was playing in 96, the game was about war. Get on there, get stuck in, don't bottle a challenge. Uh. It was physical. And I remember when I put, I think I might have told you this before, I've told everyone this, but when I put showboating on Soccer M the first time, there was complaints from managers um, to the big bosses and they called me in and said, be careful with this, Tim. I don't know what you're doing with it. I'm saying uh, highlighting skill. I know it sounds so ludicrous now to be saying that, but what happened was there was this attitude from the sort of early late 80s, early 90s. Loss of control. If we start encouraging that kind of behaviour towards players, essentially, and everyone will become a terept. Everyone will become a waste of talent who was focused on the skills as opposed to the war aspect, the militant nature of sport. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, but it was also sort of like, you know, we've got a job to do here, win for the fans. We don't want any of this fancy Dan crap going on. Yeah. It's like, we want to we win. So, so Does yeah, sport not miss that, though? There's aspects of the old world that are better. For example, I have eczema on my body when I'm a child. Came back recently, terrible, to get a steroid shot up the arse. And I was talking to the dermatologist about it, and I go, what is eczema? How did the fuckers in Korea fight with this? He goes, it didn't exist. It's from over-sterilization of the home and of the schools. That's made your immune system not be able to develop the ability to, to fight off this kind of stuff. Is that real? Is that reality? The dermatology community are in agreement over it. So sport, although, yeah, it was put your laces on the ball and get the fuck out of here and Brian Clough telling 
fashion, how we couldn't be gay and all that stuff and all the terrible things that came with it. Um, it is what we fell in love with and the disconnection between players and fans is now due to the fact that the players do not give a shit about winning now. As much. They don't. Rio Ferdinand says when he lost the European Cup final in 09 he couldn't enjoy his holiday with his kids and wife. If Rashford loses a game for United and he's entitled to, but he's having a party the next day. He doesn't care. Well, I think winning is contracts too, how big your contract is. So there's, there's. I was trying to explain this to my friends. It, 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 the hard thing about football is being there for those 11 years and being part of the industry for a bit more. I sort of saw behind the curtain, you know, Wizard of Oz style thing. And I saw that, the, you know, the, the hype and the, the stuff which is sold to the football fan is not the reality of it, really. Yeah. You know, players, the clubs say they, they want the fans and the loyalty and all that. The TV shows sell all that sort of stuff. The reality is it's a business and the players have different ways of winning and being the most expensive defender, striker, goalie, yeah. whatever, is a prize in itself, you know. So and we've so, changed what winning means essentially in society. Well, so everyone's saying, oh, can Harry Kane go to, uh, you know, Bayern? It's like, of course he can, because he gets he plays at a big club with a big contract and a lot of money. It's a win for him. Yeah. And they're like, he should stay in the Premier League. The standard might be better. Yeah, but the, that's not, he's not going to win with Spurs, where he, unless they give him the biggest contract in the Premier League history, then he wins. But like Messi's gone to uh, Miami and got one of the biggest contracts ever in football. He's got a percentage of we, Apple and a percentage yeah. streaming and a percentage of this, percentage of that. We've individualised the world, though, because social media has made us, we think we're more extroverted and more communal, but we're actually much more individualistic and private and weird and looking up our own information and looking out for ourselves. So football now does not represent uh, the community. And as a team, each player knows, I fail here, I can move on and get a new contract instantly. It doesn't have that pressure of, we're from West Ham, we're from fucking Everton. And our society, our working class society, has more fight and more heart in it than yours does. And that's what the pride of football was. So it's just an entirely new sport now. A representation of what society is. It's a new society in which selfishness is at an all-time high. Yeah, nice metaphor for the way we live our lives. Yeah. Um, We've never been more selfish, yet we pretend to be more caring we pretend to care more about things like mental health whilst putting this on platforms that is the cause essentially of the complete spike in mental health <laughs> but it That's is it. yeah no but it's this, very this, true this, 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 to be on Instagram talking about how you can help anxiety is absolutely obscene we have anxiety <laughs> because we've way too much information about other people's lives we yeah. have senses and eyes and noses we should see you we should smell you but knowing everything about your life and when you got married and when you got engaged and when you broke up and what job you have on LinkedIn I agree with you um, I've actually stopped doing a lot of social media and you know you know for a fact because I sort of came off it for a while yeah. um, I needed a break and what I kept reading about was social media is worse for you than smoking and I don't smoke so why the hell am I on mm. social media so I decided to stop and and also I was having these sort of fictitious arguments in my head constantly which was just ridiculous with with randoms on it on, online who you know I would never as you were, you were in the comment section I was I was engaging. Say someone would do a comment on Twitter, then it would go into my mind like everybody's. Then I would start arguing it out in my mind. What yeah. I think. Yeah. I said, "Why am I doing this? As a subject I have no interest in at all." The mind isn't developed for that level of well, of information. This like. is what I was going to say. As a human being, all we're, we're desperate is to learn. That keeps us alive, mm. right? So we've got to learn. The problem with social media is you can't switch it off, which is why you get involved in the the doom scrolling or whatever. And it doesn't it. allow you to develop your own opinion on any, anything political. Like for example you can't really have the internal debate about transgender in your head now because you know that if you come out the wrong side of it, your career and life is over. So there's like a Gestapo-forced element to it that is unheard of before. The propaganda of social media because the, the money controls what we think. Yeah. 
Um, well, there was a stage where there was a, a campaign called Silence is Violence. Um, and that meant that if you weren't if you weren't preaching the view of what people wanted you to preach, you were part of the problem. It's like, well, hold on a second. You want me to preach a view on something I know nothing about, mm. you know, and that's, you know, so I would just... Everyone has to be on a team. Everyone has to have this partisanic element to argument, like the abortion thing, for example. You hear people saying you're a murderer, and then you're having people saying you're anti-woman. But you never see someone start the debate with kind of agreement that every abortion, regardless of what you think about, is an unfortunate event. We never start in that base of agreement. We have to immediately launch into each other, and therefore there's no answers. There's just more division. Yeah. But if you could start even like politicians, the guy who's opening the debate should go, right, I think we're all in agreement that an abortion is sad. Now let's talk about the best way to deal with it in society. No one would hate each other. We'd actually be looking out for the future child or the woman. Yeah. But we're never doing that because we're aiming our anger at the wrong places and that is acceptability and group think. It's and social media is the fucking mechanism for that. Yeah, and it, and it's leaked into it's leaked into it even everyday, even things like politics. If you look at Prime Minister's question time, I was lucky enough to go there. One, well, lucky, unlucky enough to mm. go there one time. Just absolute nonsense. They're not debating each other. They're just shouting catchphrases at each other. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they're trying to get a laugh. And it, I always say this about the, the politicians at PMQs, is, is you would not have that the way they're speaking to each other in any other workplace you'd, you'd suspend them mm. you would not let them speak to each other like that yeah. why is that allowed and every time you speak to a politician they say it's the greatest parliament on earth because you hold people accountable no mm. one's held accountable Boris Johnson was never held accountable and that's, yeah. how they, that's how they think they're answering the questions of politicians are never honest they think we're going to represent false honesty by shouting at each other because yeah. everyone at work wants to tell their boss to go fuck himself or wants to tell the person not to yeah. eat fucking their salad beside them at their desk because it stinks and it ruins your day yeah. so Boris Johnson Johnson and Donald Trump come out with these insults and I wouldn't say the stupid but the kind of people who feel like they were silenced by society think he's mm. telling the truth they want him to represent us. Going back to football just quickly because uh, the thing which is interesting about football in my time was yeah you're right football probably represented the um, you know the, the society at some mm. stage. Brian Clough let's go back to that those days and uh, yeah, the, the, did you ever meet Clough? No, I didn't. I wish I had. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I love, love, love the way he was. But you know, those sort of people, and then and then you come into the normal, the new way. And as I said, because I've seen behind the curtain, it, it's kind of slightly vulgar football in a way, and and it doesn't represent my values very well, especially you know, being a Chelsea fan. Nine hundred fifty million in the last two seasons. For example, why do you think Chelsea are shit with all the with all the good players they've signed as well? Though they are good players. That midfield, yeah, is a great midfield. Yeah, I mean, who are the players? I mean, I, I, I tune in now and I don't even know who the players. But you've, your man Enzo, we, he, he won the World so, yeah, Cup. Your man Casido from yeah, Brighton, Mudrick, who's yeah. like these, yeah. and it, it might not work due to the fact that Chelsea is a representation of what no one cares. They don't care. Casemiro knows. Yeah. Casemiro now wants to go to Saudi in yeah. January. All his mates are gone. He goes, I signed for United because I wanted a big pay packet. I didn't know Saudi existed. Him and Varane are having hotel conversations yeah. about how the fuck they're getting to Saudi tomorrow. Because mm -hmm. they have these excessive options mm -hmm. that social media has caused. Yeah, it, 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 the, 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 the idea of Paul Gascoigne going on a football pitch and playing for the fans is yes. gone. Yeah. They're playing for themselves. Yeah. You know? And, and, and that's, that's, a re that's a reality that football fans struggle. And the two clubs who I think are, have sussed this... The, uh, don't know whether it's a fluke or they actually understand this, 
but Liverpool and Man City both have managers who who bridge the gap between the the club and the fans yeah. with Pep and Klopp, and they both understand. And, and Poch is starting to do it at Chelsea a bit. Speak to the fans, and that is one of the most important jobs now as a manager. And one of United's major problems was the idea of pulling away from the Fergie model was just suicide. Yeah. So we have this kind of old school approach in which Fergie's shadow is just going to loom for 20 to 30 years due to the fact that no one will really have the audacity to do that bridging of the gap. Liverpool were in trouble and City were a new project, so they had that control. Yeah. But that's why United are fucked and will be fucked for 10, 20 years. There is no United comeback. But what is it about, in my mind, I, I've said to myself, <laughs> I've said to myself so many times, Michael, right, sod Chelsea. They don't fit my values. I'm not interested. The bloody Russian, he's a crook. Yeah. I, I get so angry when Chelsea fans are going, yeah. greatest owner yeah. ever. It's like, yeah. Like, what keeps I, pulling I, you back in? I, I can't believe it. I, yeah, I don't want to get involved in Roman and stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm out of my depth, but I know it's not a good, good way he got his money. But... Every time I'm sit down, I'm watching Chelsea mm. play West Ham or something. I'm like, because come on, come the on. senses, the the pillars on the top of the stadium, are the same ones that Gus Poyet was doing scissor kicks under. Yeah, and there's just a beauty of just nostalgia to all of it. And then you get to the point that I'm at it with players now that Mason Mount and Harry Maguire, and Marcus Rashford, and Luke Shaw, these fucking shit house <laughs> consumerist individuals who don't know nothing about Manchester United. For example, Frank Lampard claims he retired internationally because he had a conversation with Luke Shaw in the canteen. Luke Shaw didn't know who Tony Adams was. And Lampard went upstairs immediately goes, I'm too old for this shit now. Oh, really? But why are they entitled to take my passion and childhood away from me is another way you have to look at it. They're only temporarily wearing the shirt. And all of these things are just kind of a search for meaning and acceptance. Football is a religion in that way. It gives you a point. You can't let Luke Shaw with his fucking quiffed hair take away your connectivity to Eric Cantona. So the inner child in you gets possessive and just says, fuck them, they'll be gone soon. So we will continue to be delusional. But we do become, I wouldn't buy a jersey now. Or you wouldn't like, you wouldn't give the club what you used to give the club. They're kind of like. like so what is your connectivity when you're watching Roy Keane and he's going this lot? Of yeah, well he's he, well he's starting to <laughs> the, he he started to maybe because maybe his children said to him, "Listen, it's cool to dance around with Meeks," or maybe maybe he's being able to let go of some sort of um, deep seated resentment he held in life that made him so good and motivated him. But he is starting to play the game a bit. Keane Keane's Keane's becoming a parody of Keane. He's becoming the the cranky uncle at the dinner <laughs> and he knows what he's doing so he's even playing the game yeah, maybe. to an extent but all true football fans I know now we all used to be so defensive and delusional and tell each other that Carrick would start for Barcelona and this kind of shit but now you can measure the actual diehard football fan by how much they hate their team I believe yeah. And anyone well, who I, I used to argue with now is the conversation is who hates their fucking team more? Yeah, and that's well, the new love. You can't, have, you can't hate a team more than you can hate Chelsea at the moment. So we, 200 million we spent in the pandemic with Roman. This guy spent 950 million. Yeah, I just can't get, in a year, calendar year, I can't, I can't get my head around it at all. And, and I don't know who I'm supporting, what I'm supporting, but it's been like that for a long time. It started for me years ago when I was um, in, uh, when Benitez was sitting in our dugout. And I was like, the guy, the owner doesn't have a faintest idea that we're rivals with Liverpool why have we got Liverpool's manager sitting in our dugout mm. now he did alright for us but he's like, league and, I, yeah. and I like him as well I met him and I like him but yeah. I don't want him to represent because there's more to football I keep on saying to football fans there's more than just bloody winning you know I, I, I love Sky Sports I work there and BT and BBC but that whole thing that whole um, shtick that sportsmen tell you it's only about winning it's bloody not yeah. it's about the journey we're all on watch City go down all those divisions and 
how many fans turned up to watch that club and support them in the lower divisions. And now I reckon they have, City fans will never admit this, but I reckon they had a better time knocking around in the lower divisions going, come on, we can't yeah, get yeah, out of yeah. this shit, yeah. than they are now parading around. I mean, they do, do well. When yeah. They are playing amazing football at the moment. But so. even as I said, like as we were saying, the media are in on it. Like when, when Jimmy Greaves and Alan Hansen used to tell us it was about winning, I believe them. But when Graeme Souness is there, not aging, probably injecting testosterone with, with crowned teeth, I'm going, you're not even Souness anymore. Shut up. <laughs> All right, I'll get back to that. In fairness, Souness did say once, he went, I can't remember what game it was, and he did say, he did say, but the, the player dived, right? And he turned around and uh, uh, Michael Richards and a few others were there going, yeah, but he got touched. And he went, yeah, but he did dive. They forget professional means you're playing for the fans. Now, we don't want to watch them go down. We want to watch them set. Professionalism's but, gone, though. Yeah. And sometimes you wonder if they're subconscious even kind of leading them to play according to the, the script that's written by the marketeers, like the World Cup final. Why are we not talking about it? Why is no one talking about it? Messi scored, Mbappe got a hat-trick, and Argentina scored. It was, it was the dream final. That, the best one ever. It, right, but, yeah. but none of us really even believe it. We're kind of going, yeah, but then Messi got handed the trophy, put the dress on, and now Saudi owns football. Is marketing just so sophisticated that they've kind of like, it's not even like bribed the referees, but just yeah. such a promise of luxury and ease and money that, it's nearly just a show now. Or is that just internal paranoia you, you gather from heartbreak? That final kind of... It, it, when Mbappe got the third and then Messi, it started to become unenjoyable. There was a beauty yeah. to sport when you, Ronaldo was coming to Lansdowne Road in Dublin, the old Brazilian one. And you all go knowing Ronaldinho and all these boys are playing against Ireland. And it's nil all. And it's shit. That's what sport was. Joan Lomu comes to play for the Barbarians on the wing. And everyone's there with their fucking foam finger looking for an autograph. He doesn't touch the ball. That's realistic. That's what sport is. Yeah. But now Messi goes to the MLS. He's getting these fucking last minute free kicks. He's getting a penalty every time he gets the ball in the World Cup. <laughs> you think it's WWE, do you? It's getting a little bit WWE because <laughs> NFL essentially factually is WWE. I don't know if you followed that, but well, there's a last I, minute I, kick every fucking game. I only know that it, you weren't allowed to touch Michael Jordan in NBA for years. You know, he had different set of laws to yeah. all the other players. But. I don't know. I, th I think Premier League's getting a bit Disney now, and you, 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 I, str I struggle with it, but I still watch it. I can't stop watching it. So, so this is my. It's so indoctrinated that I mm. watch football. So, so we sure. we get sucked into, yeah, we get sucked into the stupidity, or else you just have to face up to the success of isolation. So we lower our standards as football fans because we've no power. So we're suddenly rooting for players who are practicing their celebrations, and when Mason Mount loses a game and he's having banter on the halfway line with a former teammate you just have to smile and say fair play Mason one of the, one of the biggest things that I found horrible about football was Suarez when they every pundit in the world said when he went to Barcelona he deserves Liverpool weren't obviously successful in those days this time around and they said he deserves to go to Barcelona. Des that was the word they used, deserves, because he was so talented. I'm like, this guy's on over 100 grand a year playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. But the pundits and everybody are bought into this 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 dynamic that that all players deserve to go and win something. No, they're doing a job. They're paid hundreds of thousand pounds. Not only that, they walked around after he uh, with his face on a T-shirt, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd, they'd stuck up for him during the racism um inquiry on him and everything Ever, else yeah. you know they, they've done the whole thing and but he had the right and i was like no he bloody doesn't mm. he has the right to play football for liverpool mm. they've they're, they're looking after him and that's when I, that was one of the things i realized the other thing was uh, there was a change i think it probably happened with michael jordan 
It was definitely on my watch, though. There was a thing where, you know, Chelsea were a team. And then, no disrespect to Sky Sports and everybody else, because they all did a great job, you know, in a spot. People forget before Sky Sports came along, football was in a pretty dire way, you know. I used to to go to Chelsea. It wasn't the greatest, there weren't great stadiums, but after, you know, the Taylor Report, we all had to build brand new stadiums. So it was a new sport, and Sky came in, and it was all really exciting. What he did was Michael Jordan started like he signed that contract, which was all about him and not about Chicago yeah. Bulls. We've all seen the doc, and that started leaking its way into football. So suddenly, all the all the the uh, everyone had a boot deal. I don't know if you remember. I think it was Ian Wright who blacked out his boots and and played in pure black boots because he wasn't getting a good enough deal or something. So they start, the players started going, "Well, I'm big enough. I want a big deal." And suddenly, you see. I remember talking to someone at Puma and they said it's, the team has gone, it's about the individual. And so you see Sky Sports, they still do it. Whenever you look at them, when they do Man United versus, uh, I don't know, the, the Liverpool or something, they'll put the two stars up. They won't, you won't even put the managers now. It'd be like Ronaldo versus Messi or something, you know, in an extreme version uh, from a few years ago. And that, and they, they pit two players against each other now. And yeah. it's an individual sport yeah. that you watch. So, yeah, so our fathers and grandfathers, although they're kind of like... Uh were kind of misogynistic, uh, close-minded. In a way, they did believe in the community more. And we have gone so individualistic that we are kind of teeing ourselves up perfectly for AI. It won't even be that tragic. We will be plugged into our hubs alone in a virtual world in 40 years. And we will think that happiness is maximized by having whatever you want whenever whenever you need it. And that's why people are buying online real estate that doesn't exist in the virtual world. We are kind of dying as humanity because we over-evolved to a point of we can't actually have group enjoyment now. I went to Liam Gallagher at Nebworth the summer of 22, trying to be romantic and old school, and it was just the did most... you wear a bucket dis- hat? Did yeah, you well, I wasn't far off that kind, <laughs> that kind of thing, but it was just, there was no Nebworth. It was just people on phones pretending to like Liam Gallagher, and just, it was just really the, tragic. The, the interesting thing about the music industry, I think I, like, I'm a romantic like you, and I, and I think we're about to, something's about to happen. A lot of artists who come on my show, right, so it's only, it's only solo artists now. There's no such thing as bands. And if mm. there are a band, it's a solo artist with a band around it. There's very few bands around mm. anymore. So what that means is the music is, is um, the lyrics. Lyrically, they're speaking about themselves. So as soon as you start speaking about yourself, most of the songs are about depression or yeah. self-help albums. Yeah, it's hardly going to be I'm, I'm deadly. Like, yeah, you know. I, I'm miserable because I'm on social media all the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm depressed, and that you know, and I, I have a lot of them on Sunday brunch, and they talk about how they've gone through hard times, and they're singing, they're singing, you know, from the heart and everything. Bands have to sing as a collective because you can't sing "I'm depressed" when the rest of the band are looking at you going, yeah. "What about us, mate?" Yeah, Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So you have to sing as a bit of a collective, and I and I th- and I keep saying, I know the record industry is owned by a few people, probably you know, stroking the white cat and a bit evil, but there's got to be a group of lads and girls coming through soon who go. Fucking hate this Tory government, what they're doing. Look at the opposition, they're shit as well. Where's the lyrics? We're singing about how helpless they are. And and art always does that. So, you know, you can only control it for so long before it bursts yeah, through. Yeah, talk about bands coming from working class communities. They were there when so and so fancied Sally and approached her in the bar. And then you see his entire process of like pulling her and his personality change. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But now he's just messaging her privately while sitting on the couch. We know nothing about each other. We don't know what's making him happy and sad. And he can right. be heartbroken. But we used to see our mate in the bar when Sally turned over her fucking shoulder. And you see his heartbreak in front of you. So you can write with that guy. You can sing with that guy. Because you understand that guy. But now we only pretend to be friends for the photo. But our lives are online and they're in our inbox. We don't have to publicise our emotions that leads to this kind of trust in each other. We don't have any trust in each other because 
we don't know each so other. So you don't now. believe there will be an explosion in music soon? No, no, no. You don't? No. No, I do. I, I think it's just gone to a place now where we're just going to have to accept that everything's changed so much in your kind of online relationship and literacy with the bullshit in authentic nature is going to be what defines you. We were, we were lucky on um, Soccer AM in the fact that, well, we were lucky because it was the 90s and we were told constantly push the boundaries. It's very much changed now. We're sort of... Um, Obviously, as you know, it's sort of very much a censorship world we live in where people are wanting to, it, probably in the right reasons as well, not censorship as in the Mary Whitehouse. But know, you know Mary when, like, Soccer AM gets the misogynistic Soccer F bullshit, like, do you, you'd be wrong to feel guilt for that or remorse. It was the times and it was humorous. Yeah, I just feel a bit cringy. <laughs> yeah, like, but like, like we all do about things we do when we're younger and all, but on yeah. like a deep moral level, would you get to the point of like being forced to nearly say, I'm truly apologetic for how we glamorize drink culture amongst men and how we kind of whistled at young ones and said, that's a great age and all I this kind of terminal. Because people were copying that down the boozer. That's a great age and it will never last. And all these things yeah. became I think used. It, I think it, I think, I think things change and they move on and they probably all move in the right direction. There's, there's, I've been reading about this a lot recently. There's static societies and dynamic societies and the whole world, apart from various places which are steeped in religion or North Korea, they're static. So for hundreds and hundreds of years, we lived in static societies where you would do the same job as your dad and your granddad and your granddad's granddad. You'd eat the same food, you'd do the same thing. It was pretty static. You believed in Jesus, mm. or whatever you believed in, blah, 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 blah. You'd do the same thing at Christmas, same thing at Easter, whatever the religion was back in the day, and things wouldn't move around a lot. There was some king or queen. you deny your brother was gay, all, the, all this kind whatever. of thing. But it was two and hundreds of years ago, yeah. and it was pretty static, and you couldn't really see it moving. And then the Industrial Revolution happens. It kind of moved quicker before then, but the Industrial Revolution happens. And now we're in something called, which I saw the other day, called accelerationism, which is where the society is so dynamic that ideas are being thrown out constantly and because we've got from the industrial revolution happened capitalism happened and now we've got the internet that i could come up with an idea today and start getting it around so i could say that people with beards are, are bad people mm. michael's got a beard here so so then we could start throwing that idea out and see if it see if it works society's changing too quickly for us all and we we're all we're all just going oh hold on a sec slow down but we can't resist it either i don't think as well it's just moving so you know, example of football and music, just moving, moving, moving quicker, 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 quicker. And I think that's where you say we get we're, we might be coming to um, make ourselves extinct soon because we're yeah. really, I mean, the surge of 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 uh, well, we're, we're getting rid of our genders, eight year olds who are claiming they're a woman or claiming they're a man, and their parents now have absolutely no control over just common sense and reason. Every animal has gender. It's clearly a, a case of being over-evolved if we're saying that I'm a woman, I'm a man. Not a big deal. You can represent female values, you can represent male values, do all that shit. That, they're all societal constructs, but you reproduce in one way. Why do we need to deny that? Complete symbolism and representation of how fucked up we are from what you're saying. The well, acceleration of ideas. Fucking now we don't have genders. What is next? Well, I suppose that's... that's I don't the, want two arms. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing of, of a dynamic society. You throw that out there and then you... So people are throwing that, that concept out there. and Because they realised there was money in it. And Caitlyn Jenner went from the pole vault to the operation table. Went mm -hmm. the cover of Oak and the Kardashians started telling all the kids that 
you know, you, you, maybe he was always a woman. This this weird bullshit became a money thing. And if you identify as a transgender influencer on Instagram, which clearly inspired you to do it, you will get more followers. And you'll then even get more followers from attacking people who don't believe yeah. that you can you can change your gender or, or demand to be called they, them, or pluralize a quite simple term that is being a man or a woman. The fact that we live in a society now, that, that just shows how fucking fucked up our brains have gone. That you're considered evil and wrong if you don't call someone they or them. And there's people like Graham Linhan who are on the show who wrote Father Ted and did so much for like the left wing society in Ireland in the 90s, like we were talking about, by slagging priests, the real abusers. Not people who say, oh, my brother's my brother, my sister's my sister. People who rape children in the name of someone up in the sky who didn't exist. And he makes a parody of them through people like Dermot Morgan and shows us all and makes us laugh off our trauma, uh, speaking for like our fathers and grandfathers. And he now is an advocate of the fact that giving puberty blockers to people under the age of 12 and this shit is just wrong and irresponsible as us as the older generation. And protect your children like we used to do back in the day when the rise of paedophilia happened. Don't get into the white van. Don't don't get the Instagram account. Don't, don't go on Twitter. You're 12-year-old. This whole concept that parents can't control a child when they're young now is absolutely fucking wild. There's no factual legislation on the age you're allowed to have a fucking Instagram account. Phil it... Foden's son has four million fucking followers. What kind of life can he now have, ever? We talked about these ex-footballers. Had Callum Best on. The concept of the father's shadow and all this shit. And he didn't know what part of his father to follow. You know, it can't be the footballer. I'll be the shagger. I'll be the alcoholic. Fuck him, 35. I glorified that part of Bestie. What the fuck's Phil Foden's son going to do when he's 15 million followers when he's 12? He had no choice or independence in his life. We're claiming... Hold on, he, he has... Phil Foden's son has an Instagram account now controlled by the parents that is going to go into his hands when he's around 12 because he said a funny gag on the bus home from the Champions League final. He's 4 million followers. He's fucking 4. Wow. More than me. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I'm saying? We're, we're talking about this thing of like allow children to be expressed and hold them down by societal but, constructs. Pick your gender. But now... Now we're announcing them. You see people have a, a, a kid who's born. It's an Instagram post. Imagine your wife giving birth and she's asking for a photo so we can post this to get yeah. likes and dopamine hits. Where's the humanity? Can we give this fucker two hours of realising he's human without putting a phone and a camera in his face? Do you think it will last though? I, I just think we last. I don't think that lasts, but I think it just gets more complex and more weird. How do you come down off social media? You can come down off everything, but what we've done... And the overexposure and get making Trump fucking president. What's left? Does it? Does yeah, I agree with all this, but does well some of it accepting does, cookies and all this weird shit, giving away your privacy. No, there's no coming back from it. Yeah, well, privacy's dead. It, that's what I said. I think we're all just going to have to go into our own private Apple watches and phone where we live life there, and inauthenticity is just a complete. It's just encouraged. But, but isn't it just a case of? Because we live in, as I said earlier, we live in a dynamic society, we're open to change, which is good. And because we're open to change, everyone's throwing ideas out there. It, the internet's, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to look back on this time in history and go, Boris Johnson, Trump, they're going to look back and go, internet. Just the, the print industry changed the world dramatically. The internet times a million, you know, I think it's changed everything. And do you not think they're just ideas being put out and then they circle around society for a while, they get refined, people start looking at them, working out what's happening with them, and then we decide whether they're true it's, or not. It's not like it's just a bit of fun. Like, there is excessive numbers of people um, 
glorifying things like antidepressants and all this stuff. There is excessive numbers of people getting their genitalia changed uh, by surgeons. Um, there is people losing jobs and being cancelled and getting kicked off with no evidence based off fucking tampered with WhatsApp notes that go all over Twitter. It's not like we were just having a laugh. We absolutely butchered the fabric of society and information and hate the past. All these guys back in the day that we claim were abusive, like the great-grandfathers, um, knew that um, the mind is mental and that we don't know why we're here. And half of them didn't really believe in God. They just believed in a bit of order and in a, a way to make yourself go on and try your best to experience happiness during your brief chemical existence before you ultimately die. So the concept of control was nearly needed, that, that level of human distraction. And what we're doing now is just a new form because we've gone so secular, which in a way it was right because religion was bullshit anyway. But we didn't know how to do it, so we just went insane. So we won't just come back and go, that's when we went insane. We would just grow into insanity. We're more that? fucked than the guys who are worshipping the sun. Worshipping Instagram and Twitter is much more fucked than the guys who are worshipping the sun and praying to it. It's the same thing. Neither exist. Mm. But at least one had a bit of community in it and you all did it together. I'm out of my depth here, but if you've got a, a society where you've got control, as you put it, doesn't that end up with the priests, the bad rotten apple priests, because they, they've got control, which means they've got power, which means they can hide away. But Elon Musk has that now, and Mark Zuckerberg has that now. Aren't they being held accountable for everything? Look, I'm sad my death but, 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 yeah, but, but, but how are they being held accountable when society is generally just changing? <laughs> questioning this kind of group think now is ten times a bigger crime than questioning the priest 60 or 50 years ago. When you're striving for a way to understand why the fuck you're floating on a ball for no reason and then die and kind of did live a, a pointless life in a, in a way, but a beautifully pointless life. That's the that's why it is so great. You choose your own reality. It's an absurd existence. So don't care what other people who are also having an absurd, pointless existence think you during it. Just create your own reality and try experience happiness. Leave the world a better place than you found it if you can. That's what all this is, a refusal to acknowledge that, this immense fear of death. And whilst we're killing religion, we're just replacing it with insane technology that will distract us in the same way. And we just we don't go and bow on a Sunday and our granny doesn't uh, make us eat fish on a Friday. But now you just have to, you have to, your social reputation, hiding the gay son is like hiding the son who doesn't have Instagram. Your social reputation, your marriage, your child, your job is all just there now for public promotion and showing off. Nothing's actually really changed. But the reason why, I, as I said, so I, I have Twitter still and I sometimes post. But I don't read it anymore. And the, the reason being is that you get too many celebrities and people of influence doing shitty little statements in one paragraph and thinking they're right in the wrongs of the world. And I was thinking, I just, I, in the end, I just got fed up of it. But read it. That sort of thing just started annoying me a bit. I was thinking, who are they speaking to exactly? What relationship Does, have you had in like whatever 50 years of life with, with death, though? Is there something you fear? Yeah, lots. I've, my brother died when, yeah. when when I was 35. Um, so I've spent a lot of my life thinking about death, you know. Like the finality of it and the... Yeah. And does every it scare man, you? Every man lives twice. The second life begins when you realise you've only got one life. Does it scare me? No, not anymore. No, it, it, I've got a death chart on my fridge, which is... Uh, it's a chart which says the amount of um weeks i've been alive and sorry months i've been alive and it um it says my life expectancy when i was born and my life expectancy now because it's gone up a bit since in my lifetime and uh and where i am now in it and the chart is mainly red red dots right for each month and my mates think it's sick and i'm like no it's not sick because if someone says hey tim do you want to go to 
some award ceremony. By the way, if you're listening to this, you've never been to award ceremony, you're missing nothing. <laughs> Honestly, they're so dull. Mm. Genuinely. And these days they are. They used to be like ram full of stars. Like you go there and say, fuck, there's Wogan or there's, I don't know, someone, Judy Dench or something. Now yeah. it's like, that's a real. is that a reality star? Is that a reality star? It's like rammed full of reality stars now. But you go to, uh, you, you know, you, I look on the fridge and I just think to myself, shit, I'm not doing that. I haven't got that long left, you know, and it's a real, it's a, it's a real, you know, eye opener into how much life you actually have. And so that was what I was finding myself on Twitter, listening to opinions of people I don't give a damn about and thinking, why am I doing this? You're right. I create my own reality. The most important thing I learned in life is, is yeah, that is really important that you create your own reality. But the other thing is to, to I went through bad depression. I don't know if you know this or not, but really bad depression a couple of times. Like bedridden depression. And stuff. How, would you descri- how would you describe what that means? Well, it's really interesting, and anyone who's had depression or has depression, when you when you come out the other eye, because you do come out the other end, hopefully, you know, I, I managed to, is um, it's hard to explain it because it is so dark. Your brain is so messed up. Everything's very, very dark, like you know, it's enclosed. And then there's a pain, which is the bit I can't explain, but you hurt all over. That's what I felt anyway, that I hurt all over. There was someone who... But yeah, the minute you wake up, like the first blink of an open eye, you go, you're straight I, into it. I can't believe I'm awake again. Yeah, and then it, it is quite quite a horrible existence to be in. But, you know, I got myself in, in that, and I read my way out of it. So I, that's, that's what I... You've I, read your way out via philosophy and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Uh, I just read lot, lot, lots of stuff, and I had a, I had a shrink who sort of got me looking at a bit of Buddhist Zen and yeah, yeah, yeah. Stoicism and stuff like that. So I like the Stoics. I read a lot of what the Stoics say, and it's interesting because the Stoics would hate our society at the moment because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're, they, yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, they, 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 they're good guys. I think they're good philosophers. They were aware of the fact that suffering is part of it, really. And do these bouts? Would this be like? Do they last for a few weeks, or would you, would you snap oh, out months? Before? Yeah, real, real months. Like I've had it badly twice, and then I, I slipped in and out of it. And I've learned, I've learned, I've read so much. I learned why, I, why I had it. Um, and so, you just know, a tra- it's trauma, though, isn't it? It's kind of. Do you believe it's chemical in the brain? It's actually something biological. I think some people can, but not me. You, I don't believe. I believe it was thought processes. Yeah, bad thought processes. And yeah. would it be like a trigger of one day that begins no, the next bout? No, but I feel it coming on. I felt it coming on. Things slow down, and as I as I move my head around, things start. <laughs> it's so weird talking about it now. It's so strange, but things start blurring. But this this one shrink, I'll just just say this because it's important. But it's important for anyone out there who had uh, who who has or going through or has, uh, can get depression. A couple of things you, you must do is um, you must accept situations. Obviously, everyone knows that you must get. Out out of bed and do shit even if it's like just go for a walk because it just gets you moving and starts changing the the environment because you can end up like I did for a while just lying in bed um, I'm laughing now but it wasn't funny at the time um, but the one thing you have to do is you have to you have to evaluate your values right and then once you've got your values you've got something to build a block on so don't build it on your career your girlfriend your boyfriend your partner your parents none of that shit build it on who you are and this was the big turning point for me to work out what my values were and that's it was a, a turning point for me 
as a Chelsea fan and a football fan as well, because I, I realise football doesn't represent my values at all in any way, shape or form. You know, none of it does. And, and a lot of TV doesn't either, by the way. You know, reality TV shows don't fit my values a lot. And so what you do is you wake up every day and every decision is made on your values. Is my values set? You know, and then you've got something really strong because then you feel you kind of feel powerful. So you start talking to me about something or other. I can go, what, how do my values fit this? Do you want to do this? No, my values don't fit that. And then you've got something to work on. And then you realize that you're a good person if your values are good. And I assume, you know, hopefully most people are. And and then and then you can start going, I'm actually a nice, good person. This is the thing which frustrates me about um, the when, when people are hammering each other on Twitter and stuff. You know, say they're hammering someone for one comment. It's like, what, the whole of their other... 35, 60 years, wish they were a shit, they're just shit now because of one comment or something because they would, hadn't caught up with this dynamic society we're living in. That kind of winds me up a bit, do you know what I mean? That, that sort of stuff because you can look at people and say, actually, they were, they're actually a good person. They don't mean that, you know, to you. Do you know what I mean yeah. by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, work out what your values are. And once you've worked out your values, life becomes a lot easier. Yeah, so you don't, yeah, because these bouts are brought on, as you said, by, by thinking that you're represented by that relationship, that job, but these are all things that you just kind of ended up on whilst you were chasing an identity the whole time. So you lose yourself within them and then you feel like you're nothing Yeah. without them. Yes. That, oh, yeah, your identity. Yeah, and especially when you work in jobs like mine, TV, you suddenly, everyone only ever talks to you about being on TV. So suddenly you're not, you know, I'm not Tim Lovejoy anymore. I'm TV's Tim Lovejoy, which is why I joke about it all the time. Yeah. I'm always on TV going, TV's Tim Lovejoy. Because yeah. people do see me as this this person on TV. And now I am the same person, but I'm slightly exaggerated. I'm, you know, I'm always happy on TV. I'm not always happy. Were you, in real were you, life. Did you do TV while I was having the bouts? Yeah, oh yeah. That's what, yeah, because, it, you know, this, this mental health thing hadn't hit home then. So... But at the beginning, I, I didn't tell anyone because I just dragged my sorry ass out of bed to do shows and then go back to it sort of thing. And I didn't really tell people about it because I was scared that I'd get sacked. No one wants to work with a depressed guy, right? Yeah. That was it. Nowadays, you know, it's thought of a lot different. So I don't mind talking to you. I never talk about it on TV, really. So I don't mind talking about it now. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a... It's but how would you do it? Just, just a work ethic within you? Yeah, or? yeah. Yeah, you can do it. But suddenly we've got all these footballers coming out going, I'm depressed, and cricketers going, I'm depressed. And, you know, all the old school managers were going, well, you've got to be depressed about. And I sort of realised that it's exactly the point you made earlier. Society has changed so much that most of us are going to, not most, sorry, a, a large proportion of people are going to have depression now because because society's bollocks it's fake and you're living in a fake world which is why you've got to go back to your values mm. I sound like some sort of knobhead here but it's like you do because you, you've got to work out who you are because you're in this world of if you spend too much time doom scrolling and stuff you suddenly forget what you, but what, the actual two hours live on TV would you still get the thought going you're faking this you're faking this or can you actually snap into love joy mode and ask people about the best recipe for a curry three hours on all my shows I'm, I'm the, the hardest working man on TV I'm not by the way um, do you know what there was one thing which which I'm so it's the, one of the worst things that happened to me was um, it was either Sunday brunch or something for the weekend time with me is not good anyway and in doing depression I never understand what, what time scales that's the weird thing time's such a bizarre thing that we make so much of time and yet you, it, it's sort of so malleable, isn't it? Mm. When you're in depression, time can <laughs> it can last forever, and then sometimes it just goes. Like, it's just such a weird thing. It, it it really mucks around with time. But I had a show where 
Suggs and Chess Smash Bros. And I'm, I, I love, I love ska music, and I'm a big fan of Madness. I know they sort of went pop in the end, but I'm a massive fan of Suggs. One of the funniest guys, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Chess Smash, obviously in the band, they've both been booked to come on and talk about Madness. And I remember being so depressed on that show that I could only interview like a TV presenter. Now I always think I'm doing. I, hopefully on TV, I do what you're doing with me here, is having a conversation about stuff. I know it's only eight minutes or six minutes or something for an interview, but it's a conversation, not just a straight you know like a standard tv interview i had to just do an interview because i just i couldn't i just couldn't go and i hate it because they were looking at me like well hold on every time we've been interviewed by tim before he has a laugh with us what's this is boring as shit <laughs> and i remember it so vividly wanting to go to them guys i'm so depressed i'm so sorry but how do you tell people you're depressed when you're working on tv and interviewing Suggs? you know it's like it's 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 a it's a weird dynamic to be in it gets worse then by the knowledge of the fact that you're depressed, does it? Or are you so lost identity? Would you be going, I'm shit here now? Um, no, I, I am, I am, I was lost. I was just totally lost. Yeah, no, I, yeah, definitely. I was, I'd, I'd be sitting there going, I'm not doing, doing the viewers justice here, you know? And, you know, I still do think I'm presenting for the viewers. I, I'm hoping to entertain them. That's why I really want to be. Then it obviously goes to the, the dreaded place of suicide, depression and all that stuff. Would you have been far off that or was there always part of you within that was just had this kind of survival instinct to go and there's an irrationality to that? I kid, so there was always a survival. But yeah. it's weird because I, I went through one stage where I was, I was, I just decided that I was going to read my way out of it. And so, and again, some I read something once that said, if you've got a book, you're never alone. It becomes very lonely like life is a one player game right we know this yet we we put so much emphasis on friends and family and everything else and suddenly when you've got depression you really realize that you're on your own oh shit i'm on my own with my thoughts <laughs> i remember saying on my show once the problem with holidays you have to take yourself with you and that was like my thought process is how can i escape myself all the time and it was like how do i turn the thoughts off i remember saying that on the show as well and a few people writing in saying read a bit read a bit so you know the public help well, the viewers helped me a bit with it and it's like, start reading, start reading. So I started reading just trash books to begin with, trash self-help books. Now, that's unfair because they did a lot of good... W.H. Smith Airport kind of gear. Yeah, those populist ones, yeah. you know? And I started reading those and it's like, build your confidence or yeah. do this or do that. Start reading those just to make sort of like slight inroads into, you know, I could talk to you for two or three hours about how I think a human being works now, but it's, you know, it probably wouldn't entertain people. But... Then I started reading and, and learning more, and now I'm obsessed with consciousness and what it is. The other day I had an operation, I uh, had a hernia operation. Um, yeah, so so I've had another general anaesthetic, and there's something really strange. Have you had general anaesthetic yeah. before? Right, something really strange when your consciousness gets cut off, and you go, hold on a second, that, I might as well have been dead, because they go, Tim, you're going to go to sleep now, and they push the thing in, and then the next minute, hi, Tim, how are you? The operation's happened. You don't know anything, right? You don't know anything. Your consciousness has been switched off or your memory's been switched off. We don't know what, but something's been switched off. So you know what it's like to be dead for the three hours or however long the operation is. It's kind of a strange feeling because it's very nothingy. And yeah. <laughs> I find comfort out of it, actually. But for me, it's always a reset when that happens. Did you find that or not? I was younger. Um, so it was just more of a case of here, here's a milk tray and talk into it. Your, your knee's fine. So can I just say for anyone who is suffering from depression or I don't like to say suffering actually who has depression it's part of you it's who you are and depression to me is something that uh, is a thought process for, I know there's chemical imbalances and stuff don't you know, but 
there are people like me who has thought processes. The one way out of it is meditation. And the best way to meditate is not to do any of the breathing and stuff like that. That's all brilliant, by the way. And I do all that sort of stuff, concentrate on the breath. I've done all that. But the best thing you can do, which you can do within 10 seconds, is just remove yourself from yourself and watch yourself. And as soon as you've got the power to go into your full consciousness rather than being who you are. What's that mean, though? Watch yourself. Like, well, right. So say you're. So as many people listen, they sit down, they put down a rug and they start being silent and it just gets worse. You're going, you're now meditating, you fucking mad bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. The best meditation you can ever do is, is which I found is, is this is not what I'm going to tell you, but this one is you sit for an hour every day for 30 days and just close your eyes and just do nothing and your your brain just starts sorting itself out. It's bloody hard. The first two or three days you do it, especially in this day and age, you just panic and go, I can't see it for an hour, doing nothing, doing nothing. And by the by the 10th day, you start going, wow, I'm on a roller coaster ride because your emotions go. It's, yeah, it's about defeating the, the fucker who's inside you who exists in every single human because we are survivors. They do want the best for you. They're trying to survive. Yeah, they want the best But the you. fucker who tells you you're a, a dickhead all He's day. He's trying to help you survive. Yeah, that's what they're all doing. Yeah, that's what all, every bit of you is trying to help you survive. What you've got to do is watch... So, so you, you befriend that. You watch that fucker and as soon as you watch it and can see that fucker, the fucker doesn't have any power anymore. So let me give you one quick example. So this is meditation at its best. Someone cuts you up in a car, you sit in the car, suddenly that rage hits you like everybody. You want to get out, you want to smash his, her face in, you want to do all that sort of stuff. If you can remove yourself and watch yourself do it, you can't carry on being angry. It's just kind of impossible because you go, oh, look how angry I am. But it's that. So it's hard to do that in that situation because your fight or flight's kicked in and you're angry. But if you're sitting at home and you're uh, you're miserable or... See, I think in the West we try and... Well, I think with, with meditation, what we try and do is the whole time is try and do this sitting down, clear the mind. It's bloody impossible. I've been meditating for years and years. But to actually sit down and go, how am I feeling today? And then watching myself and going, oh, I feel a bit... I feel a bit low at the moment because of this... Uh, this um, this uh, operation. I've had a hernia up, double hernia. Ruve and Isra, yeah. And, um, and sorry? Ruve and Isra, used to commonly get them. Yeah, I'm a bit like him in the, mm. on the football pitch, except I'm not. Uh, so, yeah, so I lie awake every night and it wakes me up. So I'm, I'm sleep de deprived. And as anyone knows who, who's had depression, sleep deprivation can send you on the spiral down. So recently, like yesterday, I was really on the spiral on the way down. But I could come out and look at myself on that spiral. Then I can change my reality, as you say, because my reality, I can invent it. You mm. know, I can be the happiest man in the world. So I put a smile on my face, go, ah, brilliant. Look at my house. I've got a house. This is great. Mm. I've, you know, I've got a job. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I can click myself out out of it you know so it's uh do you reckon that the brother death is a lot of the reason why your mind can sometimes get so sucked into dark places of trauma and that you need to micromanage your emotions so much because that is kind of a a level of sadness and despair you, you don't really have even have a right to get over yeah there's a there's 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 a lot of reasons because i spent a lot of time uh, say, analyzing it but that that's very dark in my mind watching it's a horror show yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad, it's a bad cancer to get when you're young. My dad died of it actually last year. Um, not not such a terrible cancer when you're old because it means you're not going through years and years of suffering because it's kind of quick and you know yeah. dynamic. But but when you're my brother's age, he was 37. It's it's just a horrific watching somebody die die of that. Yeah, I just decided to carry on. I always do with everything. I don't know why. I just think life has to carry. The one thing I, you know, I, I am a bit stoic in in certain ways. It's like accepting things and moving on. But there's suppression and then there's stoicism. So was it kind of was it more of a suppression, staying the love joy character, and then that kind of the wave comes over the the ship, so to speak, in, in older age. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it might be. Uh, I, I don't know any other way apart from carrying on life, though, because what would I do instead? I always say that the the three hours, are, you know, so people go, oh, God, I don't know how you do TV. It's like, God, I'd be so scared to do live TV. In it. And I always say it's when I come alive when I do live TV. Mm. And I And I think for everyone who has a job, like, what we're doing now, this podcast, for however long we're doing this, you're present. It's a, it's, a, it's a gift we're giving each other here. We're both present. So we can't wander off into the future and the past, which is, you know, the whole Zen thing and the, yeah. and the stoic thing is stay in the present. And, yeah. and doing live TV, I feel so comfortable because for three hours a week, I have that therapy where I'm present. I can't be anywhere else. It's exhausting when I finish, but it's, it's a wonderful experience to have. And I'm sure a lot of people in their jobs will have that where that, there's that bit where they're engaged. And I think unemployment is really hard because you don't get that release from it. Is love a massive risk then as well, though, when, when you're so kind of aware on an internal level of the unpredictability and need to manage yourself? Is there nearly a irresponsibility of getting someone else involved in your life? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much identity that goes in and out of it that it, in a way, just doesn't seem worth it. Yeah, I think real love probably is... Uh, I always think love is actions, not words. So when I did the podcast, to begin with, it was called Dear Love Joy, as you know, and it was an agony uncle type thing, yeah. And it used to really bug me how people go, uh, I used to get so many people right in and they go, um, I really, um, you know, my boyfriend, girlfriend says they love me, or partner says they love me, uh, but then they did, 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 and I'm like, never listen to the words. Love, love means very little these days. Ah, oh, I love chocolate. Oh, don't you love Chelsea? Oh, I love going on holiday. It means nothing anymore. So it's so easy for someone to go, you know, Julie, I love you. By the way, I'm sleeping with your sister, but you know, it's like, but I love you. And he, but he said he loved me. You know, it, it doesn't. It's the actions. You've got to watch the actions, and that's the important thing. See, see how they're acting towards you, and then see how you're feeling about. Them. There's another interesting technique, which is when you have love numerous people, always store the point of maximum love within yourself, and just live that reality, and forget the deterioration of it. When someone did love what was right about you, then you grew to fucking hate each other. You then exterminate the part of you that they loved, which was yours fucking originally. <laughs> That's where the identity shit comes in. That was fucking mine. Yeah. Maybe maybe we live too long for these emotions. Maybe. Oh, we live way too long, and, and we also like we also grow up too late. Like right. tigers and all, are, they're they're shagging it too. We're yeah. on the mother's bosom till five now. We don't leave the home till eighteen. <laughs> Like, we are born into an Oedipal world as well, in which we are developed not to be able to separate from our parents on an emotional level. Especially in modern culture. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading the other day that um, the, 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 the bit of you which turns you bored, and I'm sitting here with bored, shaved head at the moment, the reason why some of this stuff happens is, you know, I don't need to do the peacock because my, my, my age of breeding sort of <laughs> coming to an end. And yeah. apparently the, the stuff, where, you know, the stuff which gives you heart attacks is a thing which is, uh, or clogs your veins, is really good when you're young because if you cut yourself, it clogs your blood really quickly. So you need it. But just you live too long and it starts clogging. The thing which protects you suddenly starts killing you. And it's like, oh, so, yeah. Anyway, Tim, Lovejoy was fascinating uh, doing a Lovejoy hour with you, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. MA show. Good stuff. It's been how many years, my oh, boy?
gjobbjokst er vi You still don't know my tears of joy No need to go, just take it slow And have you heard the Michael Anthony show? Makes me see the light What about those tears? Tears believe my eyes How's it make a fair? Makes me feel alright 